Hello, good evening, and welcome to another episode of Brett's Old Time Radio Show. Welcome to my home here in beautiful Lime Bay. Weather's not great at the moment, and it bases kids' school holidays. I've explained that. I've said, look, the weather's never going to be brilliant when it's the kids' holidays, is it? Because it makes it harder for the parents to find them something to do. I do hope you guys are having a great day today, and I hope you've had a good week so far. Thanks for joining us once again for our regular Late night visit to those dusty studio archives of old-time radio shows right here at my home on the south coast over the United Kingdom. I'm Brett. I'm your host for our nighttime podcast. Welcome to another episode. Got Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Check them out. They're all called Brett's Old-Time Radio Show. And our supporter page is at patreon.com forward slash Brett's Old-Time Radio Show. Time now for another adventure from Rocky Jordan at the Hotel Tambourine in Egypt. First broadcast on the 26th of February, 1950. This one's called The Return of Dr. Peru. Now, Del Monte Foods brings you a world of adventure with... Rocky Jordan. The Near East Import Company, Cabby, for Sharia Tulak Pasha. Yes, Effendi, I know the place. A little short on fares today, driver? I saw you parked out in front of my cafe most of the day. Such is the manner of the taxi cab business, Effendi. Some days, many passengers. Other days, few. Hey, weren't you supposed to have taken a left turn on the corner we just passed? This other way, sir. We shall miss much of the city traffic. Ah, well, I hope you know what you're doing. Hey, you don't. Left turn, not right. You're going away from Tulak Pasha. So I am, Jordan Bay. Hey, what is this? You shall see in but a moment. Put on the brakes, cabby. I'm getting out. Break it up, I say. I point the cab in the direction of that cement wall in the bend of the road. I pull the throttle so the gas may be fed automatically. And I'm going to jump out of the cab and leave you here. The door. Shove in the throttle. My door, it will not open. Break, break. The wall. We are headed right for it. Break, you fool. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Yes, Del Monte, the best-liked brand of canned fruits and vegetables in the whole wide world, takes you now to the Cafe Tambourine for another adventure with Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine in Cairo, gateway to the ancient east, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The Return of Dr. Pyru. It had started when I'd climbed into a cab to head for Sharia Tulak Pasha. But the cab driver had had other ideas. He'd pointed the taxi toward a cement wall and pulled the hand throttle. His plan was simple and direct. Jump from the speeding car and leave me behind to get pressed. Only something went wrong. The cab door hadn't come open and neither one of us was able to get out. I woke up in a Cairo hospital, and it wasn't long before I had a visitor. Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo police. I lost no time in telling him what had happened. Why should Joseph Salim, the cab driver, wish to kill you? I don't know, Sam. Had you had any dealings with Salim previous to this incident? No, I'd never even seen him before. Then tell me, why should a man you have never seen wish to kill you in such a manner? I don't know, but he did. You don't believe me? I did not say I do not believe you. 
All right, then. Put me in close touch with Salim. I'll get an answer for you. That is impossible. You were protected by the front seat. Salim sat directly behind the steering wheel. He is dead. Captain Sabaya. Hmm? Oh, yes, nurse. Uh, there's a telephone call for you from a man named Mr. Lundigan. Oh, yes, yes, Lundigan. Well, I must go. Uh, Salim could have been hired by someone, Sam. That is possible. That means there'll be another try. If what you have said to me is true. Well, it is. And I'm not going to sit around and wait for anything. Jordan, that... if your life is in danger, the matter will be ably handled by the police. And in the meantime, what am I supposed to do? One suggestion, Jordan, is that you stay right where you are. In the hospital bed. It was a bad suggestion. Something was real cockeyed, and lying flat on my back in a hospital bed was getting nothing done. I found my clothes and climbed into them. That's when the nurse walked in and said I couldn't go. I said, yes, I could. She went for the doctor, and I went for the back door. Twenty minutes later, I hauled my bandaged side and shoulder and slightly mutilated face into the tambourine. Chris had kept the place open. How you feeling, Rock? Oh, a little shaky. How's business? Couldn't be better. Every time something happens to you, business spurts. You got a great system. Yeah. Uh, say, Rock, uh, here's something sort of wacky. Uh, a special delivery letter came yesterday. I opened the envelope because I figured it might be important. All I found inside was this card. Let me see. There's nothing on it, just the name. Dr. Pyru. Pyru? Where's the envelope this came in? It's around here someplace. Oh, here. Uh, mailed in Cairo, no return address. What's all the excitement? It's just a little calling card. Chris, that cab smash-up wasn't an accident. The driver was hired to kill me. Huh? By who? Hey, who is this Dr. Pyru? Someone I knew in Istanbul. A friend? He wouldn't say so. I was going into a business deal with a Frenchman named Dubois. Pyru was his doctor. Suddenly Dubois was out of money and our business deal fell through. Next thing, Dubois was dead and I'd seen too much. What do you mean? Dr. Pyru was up for murder and I was a witness against him. The only witness. So he screamed revenge, huh? That's right. And now he's back. Hey, where you going, Rock? Research on Joseph Salim. Well, the city directory showed a Joseph Salim on 175 Shari, a third dynasty. It was after eight when I stood in front of a rooming house, old enough to give the termites indigestion. Sitting on the steps, a shawl over her head, was a Muslim woman with damp eyes and a big handkerchief. I asked her if she knew Joseph Salim. Oh, it was a most glorious funeral. At the head of the procession came old Fakwa, pounding the cymbal till the building shook. Then came the three hired mourners with most lustrous voices. Their wailing and whining could be heard for blocks. Yes, I've Through heard... the Muski Bazaar went the procession. Crash went the cymbal. A wail went the mourners. And the chickens and goats scatter helter and skelter into the square. Oh, it was a most glorious funeral. <laughs> now, can we get back to Salim? Is there anyone here who knew him well? Well, there is his sister who came from Alexander last week. Come, I will take you to her. Anya, Anna Salim. Yes, what is it? There is a man here inquiring of your brother Joseph. I say there is a man here inquiring of your brother Joseph. Let him come in. Yes? My name is Rocky Jordan. Oh, 
Oh, yes, you are the one who was in the cab Joseph drove. I am happy you were not killed, as was Joseph. So am I, but that's not the end of it. What is it you mean, Mr. Jordan? I mean that someone hired your brother to kill me. That is a rather strong accusation, sir. And I'll find a way to back it up. But I'm not interested in your brother. He's out of reach. I am interested in the person who hired him. Of course. And I think maybe you know something about it, like who he is. Mr. Jordan, I cannot condone what my brother has done. You do know something, then? Who hired him? Well, a few evenings ago, Joseph had a visitor. I was asked to leave the room while they discussed something of great importance. What was the visitor's name? I do not know. It was not said, but Joseph referred to him as Dr. Hiru? What did he look like? Small man, very small. Fat, round face with a smile. A smile without good feeling behind it. He wore a hearing aid. I remember it quite clearly. Also, he impressed me as the kind of man you would not want to touch. Well, you've given a perfect description of Dr. Pyru. Thanks a lot, Miss Salim. I hope I have been of some help. Oh, yes, you have. But what you've told me confuses me even more. I headed straight for the public library. It took me a little while to find what I was looking for. Copies of the Istanbul newspapers dated four years ago, December. The letters were big and black, telling the story of Dr. Pyru's murder trial, with me as witness against him. But they told even more. They told that what was happening now was utterly impossible. Screaming headlines dated December 31st, 1945, said Dr. Pyru, executed for murder. Oh, Chris, I'm tired. I'm going to hit the sack. Lock up in an hour or so and go home, huh? Sure, Rock. But uh, don't you want me to bunk here tonight? No, it's not necessary. Uh, Rock, look out the window. What? That guy under the lamppost up the block. He's been there all evening. Watch job? That's right. Maybe I better stay here tonight. If there's some trouble... If there is, it's my trouble. I don't want you in on it. Lock up and go home, like I say. Where are you going now? It's behind the counter here. My sleeping companion for the night. All loaded up. Just in case, Chris. Just in case. Well, I went upstairs, shoved the gun under the pillow, undressed and got into bed. It was hard sleeping. The effects of the smash-up hadn't worn off, and the whole business of Dr. Pyru made it worse. I tossed and turned and felt like I was building a fever, and finally dropped off into a fitful sleep. Time went by, and the dreams came and went. The screwy dreams of illness and confusion. Dreams of the cab smash-up. Of Anna Salim's description of the man who hired a brother. Wacky dreams, contorted dreams. Of Pyru and the hangman's gallow and the springing of the trap. And then the screwiest dream of all. Dr. Pyru rising from the dead. And suddenly I was awake, and what I was seeing wasn't a dream at all. Standing over my bed in the low glare of a street lamp was a face. A round, fat face with a sickly smile. The face of Dr. Pyru. I sprang up in bed, and that's when I was aware he was holding something in my arm. I looked down. A hypodermic needle, and he was pushing the plunger. I yanked my arm away, shoved it under the pillow, and came up with a gun. The figure bolted and ran. I raised the gun and squeezed at the trigger. And I hit a lot of air. Then I scrambled out of bed to take chase. Only suddenly my legs were paper mache. I crumbled in a chair. Blackness dove in, and it was the end of the world. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. 
You know, if things keep up the way they're going with television and everything, one of these days I'll just be able to hold a bottle of Del Monte catsup up to the microphone here and let it talk for itself. Why, Larry, the flavor of Del Monte catsup does speak for itself right now. Just that rich, tempting tang tells you that it's made from the finest vine-ripened tomatoes. Sure enough, and the taste-tempting flavor of all those delicious spices lets you know that Del Monte really has the know-how when it comes to blending piquant spices with tomato flavor to make a real zippy, zesty catsup. There's a special secret, too, about that lively flavor. You see, Del Monte catsup is made with pineapple vinegar. And Del Monte is the only catsup made with pineapple vinegar, the superb vinegar that brings out so much flavor from the other ingredients, especially tomato flavor. Yes, you're bound to hear good things about Del Monte catsup. So speak up for flavor yourself, friends. Ask for Del Monte catsup next time. And now we take you back to Cairo and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The Return of Dr. Pyru. got off to a running start when a cabbie tried to grind me into a cement wall. And it ended when a guy who was supposed to be dead, Dr. Pyru, stood over my bed in the middle of the night shoving a hypodermic needle into my arm. Before I could grab him, the stuff went to work and I dove into blackness. It was early morning when I came to, my head as heavy as a bride's biscuit. What was it, I asked myself? Bad dream or the real article? Then I had an answer. Lying on the floor was something that told me it wasn't a dream at all. A hypodermic needle, still half full. That's when the phone began jumping and I picked it up. Mr. Jordan, this is Anna Salim. Yes, what is it, Anna? I am sorry to wake you so early, but I have something important to tell you. That man, the man who hired my brother... Dr. Pyru, what about him? I have seen him again. Where? In the marketplace, not far from where I live. I thought you would like to know. Well, for a dead guy, he sure gets around. Thanks, Anna. I dressed and left the tambourine to head for Sam Sabaya's office to show him the hypo. Maybe that'd make him believe somebody wasn't kidding. Going up the street, I spotted the guy who was watching the tambourine the night before. A tan trench coat thrown around his body. He was still interested in me. All right. I led him to the police station and went inside. Sam wasn't in yet, but he was expected, so I decided to wait. Trench coat was standing across the street waiting for me to come out. I could see him through the window. Then a moment later, I saw something else of interest. On Sam's desk, a folder with my name on it. I threw it open and began reading at the papers inside. I trust you find that matter interesting reading, Jordan. You sure had me fooled, Sam. You've been working on that cab smash up all along. This folder's got a whole account. One, the cab didn't even belong to the Cairo Cab Company. It was a ringer. That is correct, Jordan. And two, there was a special lock arrangement on the door so that the driver wouldn't be able to get out. Proving his killing wasn't a mistake, but a design by the person who hired him to prevent him from ever talking. Why did you play it like you were sloughing it off? Because I did not want you to take police business upon yourself. It's my life, Sam. Because of the unusual nature of this entire affair, Jordan, I insist that you leave the matter completely in my hands. And what do I do? Stand by like a clay pigeon? Measures are being taken to protect you. All right, do something about the guy who's been tagging me. He's standing across the street He now. is an agent of this department whose job it is to protect you. Yeah? He fell asleep last night. I found this hypo needle in my arm. A sweet little character by the name of Dr. Pyru was at the other end of it. You may have heard of him. Yes, I have. 
He's dead. Yeah. That's what the Istanbul papers say. Executed for murder, December 31st, 1945. Only I saw him last night. I have checked the matter with the Istanbul police. The body has been exhumed, the teeth marks have been checked and rechecked and checked again. Dr. Peru is dead and has been buried for the past four years in the police cemetery in Istanbul, Turkey. Now, do you understand what I mean when I say the unusual nature of this entire affair? I still saw him last night. And Anna Salim saw him. How do you explain that? I cannot explain it. All I can say is that there is no question Pyru is dead. And yet, you are not the only one having trouble with this revisitation of Dr. Pyru. Huh? Who else? I am not at liberty to say. Okay, Sam. I'll be moving along now. Where is it that you are going now, Jordan? Take a guess, Sam. It's free. I left the station, walked to a corner drugstore, and found a phone book. There was a small notation, doodle type, on the report I'd seen on Sam's desk. It spelled out a name. Basil Londigan. I remember that Londigan had put in an urgent call to Sam while he'd been visiting me at the hospital. So it all made me think Londigan was having pyro trouble, too. I found the address and rode over there to find out. The doorbell brought a heavy set man with thick glasses. Yes? Mr. Londigan? No. I'm Mr. Londigan's nurse. Is he expecting you? Oh, he'll see me. Tell him it's all about a fellow named Pyru. Won't you come in, please? He led me through the main part of the house, through a pair of French doors to the garden entrance. Then he told me to wait, and he walked off. I heard the low buzz of a conversation between him and someone else. Then he came back for me and brought me over to Londigan. Stanley, you may leave us now. Yes, Mr. Londigan. Who are you? Name is Jordan. Rocky Jordan. Never heard of you. What is it you want? There are a lot of impossible things going on. I want some answers. I think we can help each other. And what makes you think I need any help? If Pyru was once your doctor, you do. Was he? What do you know of Pyru? I know he was the kind of a doctor who traveled in important circles, found out a lot of dirt, then threw it back into the faces of his patients. The blackmail way. I see. With one, he even tried on murder. But let's get back to blackmail. How were you with your indiscretions? You are blunt, aren't you? Oh, you'll forgive it, I know. You see, someone's just after your money, but they're after my life. True or false, you're being blackmailed by Pyru. Yes. Have you seen Pyru? No, no. Captain Sabaya assures me he's dead. How can a dead man blackmail you? I don't know. How can he be dead when I saw him last night? I don't know. Can't you say anything else? Just that the matter is in the hands of the police. I know very little about it, except that it's completely bewildering. Okay, thanks, Mr. Lonergan. You wish to be shown out, Mr. Jordan? How do you know my name, Stanley? I heard you mention it to Mr. Lonergan. How long have you been with Mr. Lonergan, Stanley? Well, he's been with me ever since I've been confined to this thing. What does that matter? Stanley still hasn't said how long. Five years. Uh-huh. Iru's only supposed to be dead for four who recommended you, Stanley? Well, it was Dr. Pyru, Mr. Jordan. What is it you're suggesting, Jordan? Oh, nothing. Just looking for an opening. Want to show me out now, Stanley? You look pretty anxious. And he was. He gave me a fast walk to the front door. And a few moments later, I was out on the street walking south, trying to figure a way to get more dope on Stanley and Londigan. Trench coat must have gone off duty, because following me now is an Arab in burnous, headdress, and lots of whiskers protection from Sam. It was comforting, but all the attention I was getting made me feel like a, a long-legged blonde with a navy in town. He kept following me as I kept walking, and I soon forgot him. I shouldn't have. 
When I turned down a deserted street, the Arab in Bernouse began to act real strange for an Arab, and especially for a policeman. From under his robes, he'd whipped out a gun and started throwing bullets. I dived into the gutter behind some garbage cans, and the shot began coming. I was out of breath, and he was out of bullets. He turned the corner and bolted. I moved out after him. By the time I got to the corner, he was also out of sight. That's a swell way to give me protection, Sam. I am sorry, Jordan. The man I assigned to follow and protect you is completely trustworthy. But an Arab in Bernouse got to him and laid him out in an alley, I bet. And just took his place following me. My guard was down. I admit the mistake and the excuse is feeble. You might have been killed. Your death would have been on my hands. Do you think I want that? Oh, I'm sorry, Sam. Guess I'm a little edgy. Oh, it is all right, Jordan. Anger comes to our voices when consternation is in our hearts. It is just that I am not able to make head or tails out of this entire affair. There is an answer, but what? Sam, I know how to bring this to a head. You want it? That, Jordan, depends entirely upon the method you wish to use. Pyru, or whatever it is, wants me dead pretty bad. Jordan, a moment, please. It might occur to you to set yourself up as bait in some public place, say, and wait until this, this whatever it is comes to you in a further attempt at your life. This, Jordan, I cannot sanction my job is to protect you. Okay, Sam. Forget I mentioned it. Where are you going now? Out. Jordan! Don't worry, Sam. Don't I ever do anything you don't want me to? I went back to the tambourine, got my gun, and stuffed it into my pocket. Then I headed over to Old Cairo, to Miss Salim's part of town. To the marketplace where she said she'd seen Peru. It was closing in on evening when I found a rat's nest that passed as a bar. Inside, a tall, slim, why fellows get tired of mother type girl was doing a sword dance. I moved through the smoke, found a corner table, and sat down. I told the waiter two things. One, what I wanted to drink. Two, that my name was Rocky Jordan and I wanted to see Pyru. He'd do the rest, and all that was left for me was the wait. Well, it was a long wait, but there were diversions. As the night dragged on, the dances got better, the music got faster, and the smoke got thicker. Then at nine, the dervishes came on the dance floor, turning themselves into a whirling, twisting mass. Spinning tops, jet propelled. Then at the height of their dance, suddenly standing in the doorway through the heavy smoke, I saw it once again. The impossible. The face of Dr. Pyru. Then it was gone. I moved out of the cafe fast, out into the cold night air to see where the figure had gone. This time, it wasn't getting away from me. Mr. Jordan! Mr. Jordan! Anna! What? I saw him. I saw him again. Down those steps, he went into that cellar. My gun was in my hand. I took the steps two at a time and plunged into the semi-darkness of the cellar. At the end of a long hallway, I thought I heard a door close. So I moved to it in high gear and kicked it in. Inside, a single candle burned. Then I saw it once again, leering down at me. The face of Dr. Pyru. I didn't wait another second before I pulled the trigger. <laughs> The bullets plowed into the forehead, but the smile didn't leave the face. Then I knew why. It was a lifelike rubber mask, and I had a lot of answers. But I also knew I'd allowed myself to walk into a trap. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. Story. 
Maybe you've heard the saying, start off each day with a smile and the world will seem much brighter. Well, one grand way to help that smile get started is to drink a glass of that tangy, fresh-tasting Del Monte tomato juice. That's right, Larry. Even Monday looks good around our house when we start off with such sunny, refreshing, ripe tomato flavor. That goes for thousands of other people, too. After all... Who wouldn't cheer up to a tomato juice that's really fresh-tasting with all the rich, delicious goodness of plump red tomatoes? Well, that's describing Del Monte tomato juice to a T. You can tell straight off that it's the juice of fully vine-ripened tomatoes. Sure enough. Otherwise, it just couldn't have that tempting tang and that special flavor. And Del Monte's close quality control sees to it that the juice gets to you as truly natural-tasting and fresh-tasting as can be. Well, isn't that just what you'd expect from Del Monte? If anybody knows how to protect flavor, they do. So you see, Del Monte tomato juice means brighter breakfasts, refreshing appetizers, a grand between-meal drink, too. Better get several cans at your grocer's. Back now to Rocky Jordan for the conclusion of tonight's story. Well, I had chased what I thought was the figure of Dr. Pyru into a cellar. What I found there was a rubber mask of his face, a burning candle, and something else. The knowledge that I'd allowed myself to walk into a trap. You may sit and rest now, Mr. Jordan. You appear tired. Anna Salim. But I guess the real name is something else, huh? Anna Pyru. Daughter? Yes. Well, you got a first class bringing up. Papa taught you a lot of things. Mostly the practical one. You hired Joseph Salim to kill me, and then that backfired. You stuck around play-acting as his sister from Alexandria. What about the Arab who threw those bullets at me? No Arab at all. A friend of the Pyru family for many years. Come in here, Basha. Yes, Miss Pyru. Turn on the light and meet Mr. Jordan, Basha, the man you did not kill. But you will still have another chance. Well, it's all out on the table now, Anna. Revenge against me, but not without showing Pyru's face. That helps the blackmail scheme, making it seem like Pyru's alive. Papa had a lot of dirt on a lot of important people. Londigan included. And it is filed, Mr. Jordan, on microfilm. So that became your legacy. How does it feel to fall heir to a lot of blackmail material? Quite secure. It is not taxable. Basha, Mr. Jordan is now all yours. My pleasure, Miss Pyro. Will the knife do? Oh, yes. Most admirably. The big hulk moved toward me. I wasn't real anxious to have that cell in my graveyard, so I moved forward a couple of steps, getting a firmer grip on the empty gun I held. It was me and my empty gun against six-foot-four Basha and six inches of blade, and it wasn't fair. You will not get away this time, Jordan. He took two quick steps toward me, and I raised the gun to slam it into his face. But I'd taken my eyes off Anna Pyru. She moved forward with a burning candle and drove the flame into my gun hand, and the little bit of protection I had fell to the floor. Now, Basha, your knife, and end it all for Jordan. Pig! Stop! Stop, Basha, before the fire! It was Sam Sabaya standing in the doorway with a gun in his hand, and he threw a great big damper on Anna Pyru's plans. Surrounded by police, it would be unwise for either of you to attempt to escape. Are you all right, Jordan? Oh, yeah, sure, Sam. Sergeant Greco, take these two. Go on, outside with you. Hold up. Well, Jordan, 
I'll give you a statement as soon as you want, Sam. I got it all. Uh, there's no longer any hurry, Jordan. There's some microfilm hidden someplace with a lot of blackmail stuff on it. Yeah, we'll probably find it in Anna's effects. We will burn it, Jordan. <laughs> well, it is a good thing I understand you as well as I do. That plan of yours for setting yourself up as bait, though I disapproved, and perhaps especially because I disapproved, you would not forego going through with it. It's a good thing I understand you, Sam. How so? You said you were going to protect me. I counted on it. I never knew you'd have fall down on your job yet. For the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup and chili sauce. Del Monte tomato sauce and tomato juice. And Del Monte whole peeled tomatoes. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jane Novello as Sam Sabaya, and is produced and directed by Cliff Howell, with original music composed and directed by Richard Arant. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan, same time, same station, and the story is The Secret of Wong Lee. Butter tender kernels, real corn patch flavor, sweet as country cream. That's Del Monte corn. Whether it's golden whole kernel or golden cream style, it's the best tasting corn you ever ate. Del Monte corn. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed our latest adventure with Rocky Jordan. And, of course, with it being a Thursday, it's going to be another adventure with those Texas Rangers going live at 5 p.m. GMT. As I mentioned earlier, we've got a supporter page, patreon.com forward slash Brett's Old Time Radio Show. And, if you get a minute, share our show across your social media. Thanks for listening. I'll be with you seven days a week, each and every weekend. I'll see you tomorrow on Brett's Old Time Radio Show. Love you. Bye.